छात्र अमिस्त्रोबीन हजार Okay, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Welcome to Don't Read the Latin. Hi, I'm Jennifer Lovely. I'm Ryan's Hall. So, um, I think we're both going to be a little more husky voiced than we normally are. Um, <laughs> Ryan and I are both asthmatic and the fires. Everything is on fire. <laughs> yeah. Everything is on fire. And it's a million degrees. It's a million degrees. So the air is completely stagnant and hot. And then because it is summer in the Pacific Northwest and we are surrounded by trees, they simultaneously out. burst into, into, flame. Fi- into flame. And then we're covered with... Uh, smoke it hasn't been as bad this year as last year oh give us time today is looking pretty smoky so i've been i've um when my asthma flares up i start getting hoarser and hoarser is that more and more hoarse and um nay and um i actually asked my boss if i could work from home today with my air purifiers because i did not want to be as hoarse as i could have been uh had i gone good i'm glad they let you yeah um so, uh, what have you seen lately? <laughs> the look of, I wasn't supposed to stun the you. Look of, the look of terror when I haven't watched <laughs> anything. I didn't think I'd watch I very have, much, but I've seen a ton. I've only, I've really, this week, it's, I'm trying to, I'm reading a book. And for I'm, the night library. I'm reading a book for the night library, and <laughs> the room that has the air conditioner in it has no television or computers in it. Oh. So most of my evenings I have been spent huddled in a pathetic ball near the air conditioner instead of near the television. So the shows I've been watching, I've just been watching things I kind of need to catch up on. Yeah. In order for me to watch, in order to do the uh, other podcast, which is the villain edit. How did you, how did you, uh, the, pl- the plugging it? <laughs> what was that you're not allowed to say anymore according to Mal and Jilly? Well, according to Mal and Jilly... Last time we did Night Library, <laughs> I believe it was the Salem's Lot episode, I said, and now it's time for plugs. And everyone panicked, and now I'm not allowed to say it anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am utterly delighted. I'm going to have to like somehow weave that in at the end of our episode. <laughs> I, now. Think I think it's already pretty much woven in. <laughs> and they said I'm never allowed to say it that way again. I, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree, too. <laughs> All right. So what have you seen? I, I know you said an, there, was, oh, there was a Rias's documentary. I horror. watched an episode of The Great Food Truck Race. <laughs> it's not a great show. I, People like, who, have never been, who have never been in a food truck before, as far as I can tell, are given food trucks. And then they go from city to city, and in each city they have a different challenge. Yeah. Like, uh, we're going to Houston. Your challenge is beef. And, of course, the food trucks have all decided what their scheme is. So, like, the one that's shrimp. The shrimp food truck now has to find some way to sell beef. It's like that. Yeah. 
it's it's a it's not a great show, but I it's soothing, <laughs> it's relaxing, it's something you have on in the background. Um, I have watched a really good documentary recently. I watched um, a VHS documentary from the eighties called "The International Sweethearts of Rhythm." Now it's just it's a documentary. Okay. International Sweethearts of Rhythm were an all female swing band who toured the world during World War II. Oh, that's amazing. Because there were a lot of men that were in the service, so they would play military bases. They were also integrated. Oh, nice. That's And that was... And, like, the white... One of the white women in the band is like, yeah, we were primarily African Americans. We tried darkening my skin, but it just turned orange. So I just kind of hid behind the drums. (laughs) So they weren't as openly integrated, and eventually they gave up trying that. Um, And on that same tape, there was something called, I believe it's called Hell Driving Woman. It's about two of the women who were in the International Sweethearts of Swing who have been in a lesbian relationship since the 40s. And they are amazing and fun. And it's just, they were just so lively and talking about... The old days when they're like, woman wants to be a man, just go ahead and come into the club. We don't care. And I was like, that is so awesome and such yeah. an enlightened viewpoint that we don't even really have that very much today. Yeah. Um, well, you think about all of the uh, the maiden women who, who live together, the stories oh, of yeah. all of those. And it was, it was those just are even... called Boston marriages. <laughs> I didn't. That's a phrase I hadn't heard. <laughs> my, my other favorite was from uh, the Nanette. Where she was like, you know, do lesbians even exist if there isn't, you know, someone to watch? Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually uh, just recently watched, um, from Jen's, Jen's documentary, documentary corner, um, I watched To Helen Back, The Kane Hodder Story. And Ooh. it it was heart-wrenching. And I hit a point where I almost wanted to fast-forward it. Uh, discussing, really? Discussing when he got burned. Yeah. And his recovery. Um so how did he get burned? Was that in a film situation? He was, there was, I can't remember who the woman was, if she was in television or something, but he wanted to show her an example of, of a burn. And the day before, yeah. So the day before, he did one that was right by a lake. So if anything had gone wrong, he was right, right. by the water. Right, he just stick his hands in the water and he's fine. Well, he did a full body burn. Okay. Yeah. And so he did one example, but it was a really, really windy day. And so um, you couldn't really see the flames. And, right. And they were, because it was blowing so hard, it was almost blowing them out. Right. And so the very night, he's like, well, let's do this again tomorrow. Well, what he used in prep for it was he used um, uh, rubber, uh, rubber cement. And he, um, he was really broke. And so somebody... Somebody donated a rubber cement he hadn't used before, <gasps> which was a lot more flammable. And so oh basically he held his arm away from his body, lit it, and instead he said usually with the one that he used, it was uh-huh. a, really a slow flame that like right. went over. But this was just a sudden went and up, immediate He flame. went up in flames. And it was it was just so flammable and so hot. And he said, you know, the very worst thing, it's like you have it drilled into you, stop, drop, and roll. Mm-hmm. He goes, but I'm sorry if your if your head is on fire, if you are literally feeling your hair and your ears and mm-hmm. your face burning. He's like, you can't help it. You run. Yeah. And so um, 
the woman that was with him, she was just watching him burn, and she was taking. There's literally photographs of him burning because True, she just because she just thought it was the thing. Until this is he, how it's done. Until he started screaming, and he oh as God, as he fell guy. down and was rolling, he he felt like a little bit of moisture in the soil, and um, managed to roll and cover himself in it to put himself out. And the problem was this was in the seventies, yeah. I believe, and. The uh, the hospital that he went to did not know how to deal with the burns. And so basically, I think it was four months of debriding. And, oh, my God, that's horrible. And um, he, un- unbeknownst to him, his dad had been a World War II vet. And he had seen so many soldiers. Um, and this is going to... Mm-hmm. He'd seen so you many. You can do it. You can do it. He'd seen so many. His dad had seen so many soldiers come home addicted to painkillers, and his dad oh. told told them not to give him painkillers. Oh my god! So four months of them just, and he ended up, and and having people come in that weren't sanitized and weren't sterilized. Right, and when they and gave, for those giving of you him who a stab, debriding is basically using a wire brush to scrub all the burnt part off because it has to be taken off right they soak it in water and then scrub it with a metal brush to get all of the scabs and stuff he was he was scraping it off with the back of a scalpel is what he was taking it off with so four months Mm -hmm. into this he's he's lost like something like 40 pounds he's gotten a staph infection because they're they don't know what the hell they're doing yeah yeah and so um they finally send him to this burn unit in California and like it two months they like turn it around and he's getting painkillers and mm-hmm. but you know it was just it was it was heartrending and he's done so much volunteer work yeah and in burn wards and stuff in burn yeah. wards because he talks about the fact that if you don't have any burn scars on you and you're telling a burn victim about his recovery and how things are going to go and how they don't fucking care because they don't trust you because mm-hmm. you haven't been through this. So you just right. don't fucking know. Right. You cannot. Yeah. You so, can't know. I mean, you can know psychologically, you can yeah. know from reading a book, but unless you've experienced what, yeah. how horrible it is. Yeah. So, yeah. But it was, it was wonderful and heartbreaking and just amazing. And it, you know, he, I am not a fan of the Friday the 13th movies. And so I have been at conventions and I don't know if I would have gone up to him to want to meet him. And after watching this documentary, I absolutely want to meet him now because... Yeah, I've met him a few times. He's super nice. nice. Yeah. Um, outside of that, uh, watching a lot of TV, we watched Luke Cage, um, the second season, and I enjoyed it. Uh, Tekla has um, gotten us watching Skin Wars. Um, oh, I love we, Skin Wars. So do I, except for that... I really have issue with uh, sending the Skin Wars model of the loser back to take a shower in this, like... In a little transparent shower stall, like in a strip club? go wash your canvas. And they have the person back there taking a shower. It just seems really sleazy. It never occurred to me that it was sleazy. It occurred to me that they're never going to get that paint off, and I don't think that this shower's going to (laughs) help. I think you're going to have to take a much longer shower. You're going to find paint later. Yeah. As someone who has been body painted, you're, you're going to find paint for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's a lot of fun. We started Face Off, and then we watched an episode of Face Off and an eight episode of Skin Wars, and she liked the style 
behind Skin Wars a little bit more. I think she wants to go to Face Off, but it's so much prosthesis. Yeah, that it's face, not as, face Off is entirely building a face, making a mold, yeah, putting it on someone. Which my, you know, my nine-year-old who really is getting into makeup and uh, doing like drag-style makeup and mm-hmm. that kind of thing and, and fantasy makeup, the body painting, the body painting show is much much more, more for her. Her, yep. Um, <laughs> on a ridiculous end on television, I started watching Scandal, which it's is scandalous. this. Yes. And it's ridiculous, and it kind of really sucked me in, because it's got this one guy from West Wing, and it's got Kerry Washington. Um, but there's, it's, it's it, this White House, and this woman who used to uh-huh. work in the White House, and it jumped, I'm in season three, and it jumped the shark so bad that I almost turned it off. I made it through season one, and it jumped the shark. I was like, that? No. Yes. And so it's, I'm really, I really like the characters and it's been a fun break from other stuff that I've watched, uh-huh. but it's so fucking ridiculous. And there's so much fucking murder. Like there's more murder than you'd have thought happening with just it, a very yeah. group of Washington DC people. <laughs> like it's the Illuminati. It's always the Illuminati. There's like a murder club where the spy murder club that is like partially, you know, under the U.S., government but like not attached to it so they can do what they fucking want oh there's a murder club in harlots too (laughs) and they're all they're all super powerful lords who hire a um and they hire a woman to find them a virgin (laughs) they hire one of the uh ladies that runs a brothel who runs the expensive brothel to find them a virgin girl who is completely innocent and just tie her up in a shed and leave oh my god yeah, she's going down for that. That's what that's kind of the whole the whole show is all of these other women in the city trying to bring her down. Wow. Because of her kidnapping and the murders and So it's, much murder. It's all the murder. Also wigs and dresses. <laughs> um on back to the taking the big long road back to horror, um saw um Ghost Stories, finally, which has been doing a limited theatrical release through the U.S. Is it any, is it good? I did I not see it. really liked it. I know you were working the night I showed it. I really liked it. It's, here's, here's what I do have to say. I found it very, very tense. It's a little slow burn. It's a very kind of quiet story, but um, I yelped and shrieked a lot, as I tend to do when I watch spooky movies. Um... I kind of considered the movie, you know, out of 10, I considered the story up until the end, like a nine. And then I considered the ending like a seven. You know, it didn't utterly ruin it. But it didn't deliver as strongly as it, it could have. As, as the rest of the movie. That's how I feel about The Woman in Black. Okay. Yeah, I feel absolutely. like this movie is going great and till the last minute and then the ghost of his dead wife comes back and you see an angel i'm like just (laughs) cut it when the train runs him over i don't want to know that he went to heaven i don't care (laughs) this isn't about heaven no (laughs) so i i really liked ghost stories um it's just well done it is just well done um it is it is quiet um and, but I found it very frightening in a lot of ways. It's a, it's like three different little ghost stories. Um, the other one that I watched was, um, I've heard it under Hereditary. Couple, I watched Hereditary. I want to know about that. 
fucking fantastic. Um, though I had the misfortune of watching it um, in downtown Seattle. Um, it was an afternoon showing, and I almost thought I was going to get to see it entirely by myself, which would have been perfection. Uh, but then a whole bunch of other people came in, including an older, like, probably 10 or 15 years older than me, and their, like, late teen son. And so I'm watching them as they're, like, talking through all of the trailers. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to tell you to shut up during the trailer. No, you, that, the trailers but, are fair game. But... The impression I get is if somebody is willing to talk through the trailers, there's a really high chance that they're also going to talk through the movie. Well, that's when you yell at them. Which they did, and I did yell at them. The problem is the the theater, I went to the Pacific Place 11, which mm-hmm. is like a fucking ghost town now, because Pacific Place is like a ghost town now. It's it's so right. empty right now. It's only it's never been for anybody but the super rich, and they all go to Bellevue now. No. So like you can't buy anything it was in on any the of those stores floor, for under which is $100. entirely unstaffed. So in order to go get an usher, I would have had to leave the theater, take the escalator downstairs, get a staff person, go upstairs with them, and then so I'd have t- missed 10 minutes of the movie. So I kept like they're tittering to themselves and then laughing at like really random parts mm-hmm. where you can tell like do they just like not like horror is this just a thing they do on Monday Are they just evenings? doing it because they're nervous? Or whatever. And so they're laughing and they're tittering and then they're talking. And finally, I just, you know, I spoke up twice to them. I said, however quietly you think you're talking, you're not. Like, it's very audible. Can you please stop? And they just didn't. And it just, it, it's such a quiet, dread-filled movie mm-hmm. that's so terse and so... But it's really, really well done. But it tainted how I felt about the movie. I'm Which sorry. really made me angry. Um, but it's just beautifully acted. Um, uncomfortable. Um, stressful. And had some shit happen that I was absolutely not expecting. Um, That's what I've heard. And then at the very end of it, I was like, oh. You know, like, oh, I kind of recognize the story. But this is absolutely a fantastic version of it. Okay. So I really loved it. Uh, the last one that I've seen is, um, I saw, I've seen two titles for it, Incident at Ghostland and Ghostland. Um, and a couple of friends had seen it. And basically, uh, it starts out with this mother and her two teenage daughters driving along this road to, um, go live in their aunt's house. It's always an aunt. Yeah. And, uh, she is passed and they're just taking over her house and they see this newspaper about these, um people who are breaking into homes where there's like women and children and they'll they'll kill the mother right but like keep the girls right i've seen a trailer, trailer for, for this it. i think i showed the trailer for it a couple of weeks ago oh, could be and um it's it's a unreliable narrator kind of story um it is pretty scary at points and pretty gory at t- at points um, and it was pretty well done. I'm not going to say it was not on par with ghost stories and with hereditary, but it was pretty well done and pretty fun. Well, not fun, <laughs> but it was just, it was, it was a well done piece of film and, uh, the style of it was really neat. And, um, the villains were extra, extra villainy mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. Oh, good. 
So, yeah, I haven't seen anything lately because I've been huddled in the air conditioned room. Yeah, and I've also been working a lot. Yeah, which has meant that when I come home, I just basically turn on the TiVo. <laughs> and whatever is stored up for me. I've been watching some Great British Baking Show. God, I love that show. Uh, are you watching the new season? I haven't. Everybody's gone except for Paul Hollywood, right? Yeah. Which I fucking hate Paul Hollywood because he's a douchebag. It's, it's, he's, it's, a, he's a handsome douchebag, but I find him like less handsome now because he's such but a douchebag. The host is Noel Fielding. Oh, that's almost charming. Do they he still is have, kind of charming. He's out of character, have... and he really feels bad when people ruin a cake. <laughs> <laughs> do they still have Sue, and uh, do they have the two women? No, they're gone. Every... They're replaced by Noel Fielding and this other woman that's a comedian that I do not know of, but Monty says she's great. I don't know if I want to watch this show anymore, because, I mean... I know. I love that's my- how I felt. Here's what's going on: is I'm still watching <laughs> the old seasons. I love. I love that we're like, here's our horror podcast. Let's I'll, talk about. Well, the old seasons are being shown on C- on US PBS right now, so okay. we got them in Seattle. But Canadian PBS, which we also have, also records Great British Baking Show, and they're the new ones with <gasps> uh, Noel Fielding on them. Okay. So, I'm still making my way through the old ones. Oh, I don't know how Tecla's going to... Because she, she doesn't like... She doesn't like Paul either. And we used to laugh about Mary Berry's resting yuck face. Because she'd eat something and she'd put it in her mouth. And then she'd look like it was just... It tasted like a cat's ass. And <laughs> then, then she'd say, scrummy! And you'd be like, what, is that just your... You just have resting yuck face. Yep. All right. So, you have to define... What, what I'm talking about. Okay, into tonight's episode. Um, when we were choosing the topic, I was thinking about a lot of horror films I like. And I came up with the idea of horror films that are basically a horror film, but have science fiction elements. Kind of like how Terminator is an action film with science fiction elements. Okay. So I was... Um, what have I got here? So for me, what I meant was... Horror films, but instead of the danger being from supernatural situations like demons, ghosts, or folk stories, or or horror films where there's a slasher or a crazy person running around, yeah, or like an angry animal like in Jaws, that shark was so angry, <laughs> that the danger's origins come from what we traditionally see as science fiction. So I was thinking along the lines of movies that are set on Earth but include UFOs, aliens, mad scientists, time travel, stuff like that. Okay. Um, I know that you went with a lot of... You you interpreted that a different way and went with some movies that are set in space. That's also okay. Okay. I'm not... Yeah. Yes. Because I think we had just, you know, is a little bit... But you know what? Right. Most of them, most of the ones that I've done um, are... Yeah. take place on Earth with science kind of gone awry. Right. Yeah, so. my first movie... Do I, should I go first? Yeah, absolutely. My first movie is The Mist, uh, based on a Stephen King story and directed by Frank Darabont. Um, there's a lot of reasons that I love this movie. Have you ever seen it in black and white? Yeah, I have the disc. Boy, that is just... It's it, amazing. It, it, That's it one adds, of the things I love about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just beautiful in black and white. And it's it's so forgiving of, you know, the the effects, which can feel a little dated in color. 
um, it it paves it just paves yeah, the way I, for it in black and white, and it gives it a slightly different feel, like an an amazing like almost nineteen fifties. Do you want me to pull that out for you? No. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to. I have this very little this little tuffet, a little colorful tuffet. It's called a cassock, I believe. Is that oh, is that the mm -hmm. official? I always just thought yeah. of it as a little tuffet for, for Tecla like to little, sit on. It's like a little footstool that my one of my feet is on. But if only I one. wanted to move it, I could move it, <laughs> but I chose not to. <laughs> well, fine. Only one of your feet get to be Well, this is the foot with the broken toe. Aww, so it gets to doing? be... Anyway, but you were saying mm -hmm. The Mist. <laughs> anyway, The Mist, directed by Frank Darabont, as I said... I like it both in black and white and in color. Now, originally, Darabont wanted to film it in black and white, but the studio wouldn't let yeah. it. So there's a black and white version on the disc. And it's got a very different feel than the color version. It really does. To me, the color version reminds me of 1980s horror, mm -hmm. which I love. Yeah. Um, it's got the bright colors. It's got the latex monsters, special effects by uh, Greg Nicotero. And creature design, one of the creature designers is Bernie Wrightson, who's one of my favorite illustrators. Um, but black and white is f a little scarier. It is. It's got a more gothic feel to it. Um, I really enjoy the movie because it, I think it's better than the short story, and that hardly ever happens. Yeah. It's super rare. Usually if I see a movie based on a story that I've read, especially The Mist, which I'd read a few times. Yeah. I think in the ending of the story, they just kind of drive off into the sunset. And the ending of the movie, something different happens. And it's something that is so shocking and horrible that it just makes the movie hit so much harder and than the story. And I'm one of the people, I guess, I'm one of the people at the ending almost ruins the entire movie for me. Cause, really? Yeah. And why is that? Um, I think it, it is because I'm a parent and I'm just going to leave it at that. See, I feel like every horror movie, I, not every horror movie, surely there are some that don't, but I feel like horror movies always feel obligated to end it with, with kind of an some upbeat kind of note, positive, some yeah. kind of hope. And that so, okay. diminishes the horror for I'm me. I'm going to throw out a... A spoiler warning, which I've already moderately spoiled by saying because it bothers me because I'm a parent. So spoiler warnings for The Mist. You can hop ahead like two minutes. My issue with, I, and, and my issue is, is simply because I have a, a reoccurring, I've had two reoccurring nightmares that I've had. One is that um, I, I, my, <sighs> I had a really awful stepfather who, uh, to punish me sometimes, would kill my pets. And so I had one cat that was born my senior year after he had left that um, I would have nightmares that um, mm -hmm. she was going to die and in order to save her pain. I had to kill her. And then when I had Tecla, suddenly I started having those dreams. Oh, where, I'm so sorry. That sucks. Um, so having that take place in film is just the... It's like, it's just, it is, it is my nightmare. And so having that visualized in front of me was so horrible that, like, it went from being a film to punching me in my my okay. worst nightmares. 
So it just, it, it was so gutting to me that it took me. It, it, See, it I it think that's what film is supposed to do. Yeah. Especially a horror film. Yeah. I like being scared and I watch all of these, you know, really frightening movies by myself, alone, in the dark. But I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I I really like that fear sensation, but, you know, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes I'm like, you went too far. (laughs) I can't watch zombie movies. Yep, there we go. And it used to be because I'm scared of them, now I'm just annoyed by them. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, did you have any other... Um, things to say about the mist I turn a page <laughs> I, uh. <laughs> I did the little finger lick and go to the corner which um, no I have a list of questions certainly for the podcast that we can ask each other if we need to extend something um, and it's why did you choose this movie and I chose it because I like I like that the science fiction elements are weird and just barely touched on it's like oh yeah there's a laboratory on the hill and maybe they accidentally opened a dimensional rift Mm. but you never see the guys in the laboratory because it's just not part of the story no it's not part of the story the story takes place the story is those people in that grocery store Oh, and I also like that the main character is ba- is basically they keep showing him he's a movie poster artist, and the art he's working on is all Drew Struzan art. And I'm like, well, if you're going to be a movie poster artist, you might as well be the best. So, do you want to go? Yeah. Um, so, one of the things you mentioned of you liked it, you know, kind of taking place on Earth, and I'm going to bring out my one movie that I find to be science fiction horror. Um, that is that takes place out in space, and that is Alien. Um, that is a definite. That's the first movie everybody I ask about the category said. Yeah. So there is nothing wrong with going with that. Yeah. Because it is definitely a space horror, a horror horror movie that is a science fiction. Yeah. Uh, I saw the second. I saw Aliens first, um, and. As, you know, a 13-year-old, it was a great introduction. It's such a, you know, a great cast of characters. Mm-hmm. You have Newt and, and you know, this introduction to Ripley, who's obviously been through something horrifying. Right. Um, but Aliens very much, it, it, it tells enough of the early story where you can have not seen Alien. Um, and in my high school library, um, they had a novelization of the first movie. Oh, by Ellen Dean Foster. Yeah. And so I read it and I was like, holy shit, this is, this is so far. It just, it felt so much more frightening yeah. um, than Aliens because Aliens is such an, I still find it to be, I, I remember having this um, I feel conversation like, with, with I, Michael Montour that he didn't feel like it was a horror movie because I think it was it's such an action, an action movie. movie. He felt the same way. I still think it's a horror movie. I think it is an, an well, action I movie with horror it, elements. Yeah, but, exactly. But just Alien like, is is just it is such a horror movie. It is. It's always intended to be a horror movie. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the tagline does not say in space no one can hear you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, the things that I loved were they were all they were all just soldiers. I mean, they were. I mean, mm-hmm. well, yeah. But it, it, it it's, you know, you, you watch all these shows like like Star Trek that talk about this future where everybody's just 
you know, where where you'd like to see less sexism and, and everybody's respected for their part in the crew. And, and then you have Vasquez. And then you, <laughs> has anybody mistaken you for a man? <laughs> I love Vasquez. I love Vasquez. She's just but, amazing. She's my favorite character in any of the Alien movies. Oh, yeah. She's fucking I mean, wonderful. Yeah. But what I loved about Alien is, even though there were men and women, that it felt like any of the roles could have been swapped around oh, yeah. to be masculine I know Vasquez was supposed to have well, been a male but actor. Vas- Vasquez is an Aliens. Yeah, aliens. I know, but I'm talking about alien. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> you were talking about how they're a military group. Oh, I and I didn't feel. Yeah, they were just. Uh, they were just a. Uh, they're just a ship's crew and ship's alien. crew and alien. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was that was my mix up. Then that's okay. Um, but I always have time to about... talk about aliens. <laughs> um, but that was one of the things that I loved about. Um, and honestly, I mean, it even continues into aliens, though, that they all just feel like people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that are in way over their heads. They're in way over their heads. And, you know, it's just like even that that scene with the chest burster and the fact that they didn't tell anybody. No, none of the actors knew it was going to happen. happen. And just the they look knew something of, was going to happen. Yeah, but... just the look of abject horror. Yeah. And uh, and the aliens are, are just terrifying. They are. They bleed acid. Who yeah. does that? <laughs> so, in a lot of ways, Alien was, I felt, that that switch over from something that felt um, very directed towards teens mm-hmm. and felt, you know, for a young market. Uh, it feels Alien, like an adult horror it, it movie. It is an adult horror movie. You know, that is, uh, yeah, I agree know, with that in entirely. In very adult themes. So that's why I just absolutely adore it. I'm going to take a quick time out right now. All right. Are we going to sleep all the way home? All the way home. Can I dream? Yes, honey. I think we both can. Well, now I beat her and put her to bed. Oh, okay. Put her so to bed. Shall we return to our podcast? We shall. So, what is your next episode? Next. Uh, my next movie, movie is from 1977. <laughs> Um, it's based on a book by Stephen, by Dean Koontz. Um, it stars Julie Christie and it is called The Demon Seed. Mm. Uh, the plot of The Demon Seed is pretty much straightforward. Lady gets a house of the future, you know, like they have at the World's Fair. Yes. Um, it's controlled by an AI and she can't leave it for some reason. Possibly scientists. I'm not. I'm not really sure why she can't leave the house, but the AI is going to take care of ever of all of her needs, and it Which, starts getting smarter and smarter, and ugh. it starts developing its own needs. And at the end of the movie, she has its baby. Huh. And the end of the movie not how ends I that going. with this little metal shell thing. And, like, pieces of the metal shell fall, start coming out, and then this little girl's there. This little girl that's covered in slime from pulling the metal plates off of herself. It is a really weird kind of quiet movie. It is like, it's a lot like Rosemary's Baby in theme, in tone, except instead of Satanist, you've got uh, AI, a very friendly AI, I guess very friendly. <laughs> Who starts off being a helper and over the course of the movie becomes more and more dominating and 
and evil. It's really good. Wow. What's it called one more time? The Demon Seed. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to watch this. But it's, yeah, it's it's like a Rosemary's Baby for computer nerds. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's one of those, I know I've heard the title before, but it just, it's one of yeah. those ones that I've I've never seen. That's fantastic. You should watch it. It's interesting. Um, some of the effects are pretty hokey because 1977. Mm-hmm. Um, but it barely beat out the Stepford Wives, which I really wanted to put on here. <laughs> but I figured, nah, it's nah. Yeah. I know. I think both of us have like a primary list and then the overflow list. And then we probably oh, yeah. have the over overflow list. Too. Yeah. Um, I am going to go for the classics, um, and I'm going to go Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, that's a, that is probably the best Mad Scientist movie. Sorry, yeah. Frankenstein. Frankenstein no is so good. It really is. The, the pathos of it is so wonderful. Right. But, um, but Bride of Frankenstein is just beginning to end mm-hmm. a fantastic movie. It is, because Frankenstein and the Bride of, Dr. Frankenstein in Bride of Frankenstein doesn't want to make a monster. He just wants to do some science, and this Dr. Pretorius dude shows up. I know, who is a fucking amazing character. Yeah, Dr. Pretorius comes in and says, I hear your grandpa liked to make life. I've also done similar experiments. And then he gets these weird little jars with living people in them, yeah. like a queen oh and a princess and a ballerina. Yeah. And it's kind of played for laughs, but it's also kind I'm of terrifying. horrible if you think yeah. about yeah, it. Yeah, very much so. That... Oh, yeah, this is a ballerina. She's trapped in a jar forever. She's in love with this guy in the other jar, but I won't let him out. It's like, jeez, yeah. that's like I have no mouth and I'm a scream territory. <laughs> it's just, it's such a classic, beautiful story. And the pathos of of all Frankenstein's monster wants to be is not alone or not. Right. Um, and, and just... The rejection, and then the rejection of not just... And that happens in the book Frankenstein, yeah. too. And it's just, it it makes him doubt his existence, and that, you know, he shouldn't even be. And, God, it's just... We belong dead. Yeah. Just, it's just... It, and I mean, it, it's heartbreaking, and part of that... Is just Karloff being such an amazing actor, actor, even through all that makeup. He has a when he says "We belong dead," the look in his eyes is heartbreaking. Yeah, I and just I love Karloff. I love Karloff. I do too. I love him in everything. Yeah, most almost everything. Um, uh, you must remember this did a mini series because uh, usually they do a pretty structured like. Oh yeah, I, I listened series. to that. This was Karloff and Lugosi. Yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. good, and it does a really amazing breakdown of both Karloff and Lugosi's lives. And yeah. it's, it's crazy with Karloff, like how he late was, in the game. Yeah, Karloff spent his early years working as a longshoreman and yeah. lifting. He was really. I mean, that's one of the reasons he could get around in the Frankenstein makeup was because it was so heavy, but he had worked super a, hard doing yeah. physical labor his well, whole hell, life. Well, there's um, black and white, like, shirtless pictures where he's just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's don't mess ripcord with, muscle over bone. He don't mess just, with Karloff. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that was... And uh, one of the things they have at... Um, the Mopop exhibit for horrors. They have, um, they have the wig, the Bride of Frankenstein, which so many people don't realize was Auburn. 
Oh, um, yeah, because it's black and white film. Yeah. It's auburn, and it is built over a metal framework that cut into her scalp every time she wore it. It was incredibly painful, painful for her. Because they didn't care. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just a... So the, the, the horror exhibit at Mopop here in Seattle is pretty wonderful and has some really good pieces in it. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my, my second offering. What do you think your favorite character is in that movie? Pretorius. Pretorius? <laughs> He's because... Just the charisma and, and the delightfully... There, he is there's coded... No he is very gay. Yes. Uh, they can't say it, but you yeah. know if how characters are coded. Yeah, he's tall and thin and effeminate. Yes, and 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 ethicless. Like, and he has no ethics, which we all know that's how the gays are. <laughs> the gays. <laughs> but yeah, I'm he's my kidding. favorite because I love you yes. Gays. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's pretty much like any time he shows up, and and I also love the little beginning, the little where they have Mary Shelley. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was her favorite part of the film. And one of the things she said was that her favorite, favorite parts of filming Bride of Frankenstein were getting to wear that beautiful little Mary Shelley dress and sit around <laughs> to be Mary Shelley all day. Oh, my gosh. Um, she she loved that, Elsa Lanchester. Yeah, and I saw a really good... Um, oh, my goodness, what was the... There was one of the talk show um, men from that did, like, the 60s and 70s that... Gosh. Oh, I know who you mean. You mean uh, Dick Cavett. Yes, Dick Cavett. Um, I noticed that on one of the uh, Classics channels, uh, they were re-showing a lot. And the reason why I looked it up is I think I was looking for Elsa Lanchester movies, Mm -hmm. and it showed that she'd had an appearance where she was being interviewed. Yeah. She uh, had an amazing life. She had an amazing... Yeah. And... um, it just it was a long talk and and just hearing a little bit about her beginnings and her life and her when she was like 17 she was teaching dance at an all-boys school yeah (laughs) yeah and even you know even into her 40s and 50s where this you know interview was taking place there's still just a beauty to her oh yeah and just and she was such a just listening to her conversation with Cabot was was just still I'm gonna have to look that up and watch that because I am a huge Ilsa Lanchester fan. Yeah, just it was pretty fantastic. She started all these weird little theaters, and she would live up above them. Her husband was gay, and she was okay with that. Yeah, yeah she's she's amazing. And why do I always forget his name? I know he directed Night of the Hunter, but I always... Robert Mitchum? No. Oh, Charles Lawton. Charles he's, Lawton. He's actually in one of the movies I'm going to talk about. Well, there we go. Which is... Uh, We'll lob right back to you. There right. you go. So it's uh, another movie I like. Mad scientist movie. It's got a guy in it named Doctor Moreau, but it is not Island of Doctor Moreau. It is in fact Island of Lost Souls from nineteen thirty four, which I have bought but I have not watched. So good. It, well, it's super short. It's a little yeah. over an hour long because it's nineteen thirty four. Yeah. Um. It's about a guy who ends up getting rescued from the ocean and dropped off and dropped off on this island by a cargo ship mm-hmm. who's del- making deliveries to the island. The island is run by a scientist named Dr. Moreau, played by Charles Lawton. And all of the people on the island are like kind of weird looking and they refer to them the natives as being subhuman, which is 
pretty gross and racist, except that many of the natives on the island are actually hybrids with animals, so mm-hmm. maybe he has a point. Yeah. And it wasn't the, the, the like, the cat woman, or yeah. the leopard woman? There is a woman known as the, I think it's the panther woman, who is the only one of the experience experiments that has turned out as Dr. Moreau was hoping. Yeah. And there's other things, too. He's not just giving them injections of various hormones from animals into humans or from humans into animals. He's vivisecting them and sewing parts on. He is a insane, insane mad scientist, which is what I want in a mad scientist. <laughs> we want him full um, round the bend. <laughs> it's he, For years, it was thought to be a lost film. And as a kid, I would see pictures of the makeup work in it. Yeah. And I would be like, oh my god, I have to see this movie. Look at that cool werewolf creature. And that makeup was done by... Um, oh, I didn't write down the name. But it's a guy named Willie Westmoreland. Or Wa- no, Willie or Wally. I think it's Wally what? Westmoreland. That He's from the... Yeah, they host Face Off. Yeah, oh, the Westmoreland family. Okay, the Westmoreland yeah. family has been working in special effects makeup since 1915. Good golly. Yeah, their whole family has a star on the Walk of Fame. <laughs> it's like, the grandfather came over, he got a job, he's the guy that invented the idea of a studio makeup department. Oh, wonderful. And so he just basically got himself that job, sat down on it, taught all of his sons his trade, they thought taught their sons and daughters his trade, and um, yeah, and they're still working, and they do everything, like, they do makeup on the new Star Trek series. They did makeup in like every horror movie ever, just ever. Yeah, and I, I'm fascinated by that because yeah. I didn't know they went back that far. I thought they were like one generation, and then no. I saw a star on Hot Walk of Fame for Westmoreland Family, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, um, I'm gonna and, have to. I can't remember what inspired me to 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 buy it. Probably um, me not shutting up about it. <laughs> it. That might be true. It was pretty widely banned. Oh. Because the Panther Woman was very is very very sexually sexual. yeah. sexually aggressive. Yeah. And the young stalwart hero has a wife back has a woman back home he loves so he doesn't go for it but she's always like rubbing up against him and crawling on him. And you get panther side. You get the impression that she has definitely been having sex with humans. Even though they can't say it, you're like, Oh yeah. This is really inferred, yeah. It's very highly inferred. (laughs) Um and also so it was banned because of that. And it was also banned because there's a I think there's a scene where Charles Lawton says, and now I know what it is to be God. Oh, and, oh they didn't dude, like that. They the Catholic like League of Decency were not in, in <laughs> into that. Um, but it's like a little over an hour long. It's got, for its day, it's got amazing special effects. Even for now, it's got really good special, special effects. effects. I, um, I love it when you get a couple of those classic movies where they'll have they'll have just a little something that doesn't seem to age that... Um, one of my favorite ghost effects is from the uninvited of the woman floating down the stairwell. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. That's it's just, just a, gorgeous, and it yeah, it's just a double exposure shot, but it, it doesn't matter. Perfectly. It just looks perfect. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, Bella Lugosi is in Island of Lost Souls. Oh. He's one of the beastmen. He's the giver of the law. You know, I it might have been because I I've never watched very much Lugosi because mm-hmm. I am. I am the bad goth who doesn't like Dracula. Um, 
I find him striking, visually striking and charismatic, but I just don't like it. And I, I never found him as as qualified as an actor as, say, like Karloff, who there was so much emotion. There just Le- seemed to be so much posing with yeah, Lugosi. Yeah, Lugosi very much felt like, up until a certain age, he was the most handsome man on earth. Yeah. Because as a young man in theater, on the stage, he was playing yeah. Romeo and all these romantic roles, and, and women were just beautiful. crazy for him. And when he was in Dracula on stage, women were coming up to him backstage all the time. Yeah. And I think that as he aged, that was really hard for him and was part of one of the reasons he became so addicted. Yeah. But, yeah, he's an interesting guy. Yeah. So, listen to those episodes of... Uh, you Must Remember You Must this. Remember This. It's just a great series if you love old classic Hollywood. It's basically yeah. the story of the first hundred years of Hollywood. And their um, most recent one is um, kind of inspired by the word fake news the words fake news being tossed about so much mm-hmm. she is doing a series that concentrates on um hollywood babylon and um part it's of like, which is fake yes but i'm just, i don't want to hear it because i love i love those lies i grew up believing <laughs> those lies and i don't it must be true it's in a book leaving them um but she goes really in depth on um everything from fatty arbuckle to right um yeah it's just it's really really good i'm really enjoying it I, I listen to that periodically. I probably will listen to that season. Yep. All right. It's your turn. Um, this has been... Uh, a lot of people don't feel necessarily that this is horror. Uh, Under the Skin. Uh, Jonathan Glazer from 2013. I have not seen it. Um, it is... It's yet another... It's another slow burn. I, I kind of... That's my bag. It's okay. Um, I've heard it compared to uh, the David Bowie movie, Man Who Fell to Earth a yes. lot, which is also yeah. super slow. Uh, and it's very much just following Scarlett Johansson as she's kind of, I think she's going around like Scotland. Um, and there's, it's just, she, there are a lot of people who are really pissed at Scarlett Johansson because she's done, she did a movie that involved whitewashing which is ghost in the shell and then she almost uh signed on to do a movie where she was playing a trans character she did sign on to do that and, but movie she, until, she ended up leaving it until, until people freaked out so, because the um, yeah yeah and then you hear you know you'd have a bunch of people saying well she's a shitty actress and you know i, I never liked her anyway true. and i don't believe that's true either uh because she gives there is this sense she is an alien creature that is just very not human and there are these moments where you're following her around as she's going through this earth where you get a sense of the alienness of her being and how she looks at everything she's seeing and how she interacts with all these people Mm. that she's basically feeding on in a sense right and it's just a it is a gorgeous movie there are just these amazing scenes that are so beautiful where it is it's just that that it is just this alien sense of of being of of an utter and complete lack of humanity and understanding um mildly spoilery um midway through the movie um she she 
there is a man and he's got his baby out and I think his dog is with them and he, the dog gets out into the water and gets pulled out. And so the, the man tries to go out after the dog and leaves the baby up on the shore. And the baby, after a while, starts crying and is just screaming. And she just leaves it there. Because it doesn't... Well, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to her. Yeah. And um, just the inhumanity of, like, well, that's irrelevant. It's just a noise. It's just a noise that's yeah. happening over there. And that you know that that baby is going to die. Because uh, either the water is going to come in far enough that it drowns or it's just going to starve to death out there. And yeah, somebody will find it. <laughs> you'd like to think. <laughs> um, but it's just done in such a clinical way. Um, and it was just a really interesting movie to see. And the, and the music's um, uncomfortable. And just, I just loved everything about it. So... A lot of people have really have said that. I just haven't watched it. Yeah. Because I'm not into those slow burn, high concept. Yeah. And it's it, science fiction movies. And it, there's nothing that I mean. In a lot of ways, there's nothing that happens. Exactly. And you either like that or don't. Right, and I don't. And but you, don't. you do. So. So yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's awesome to have different points of view. Hell yes. So, what's your next movie? confused okay so this would be 1974 invasion of the body snatchers with donald sutherland the fucking movie man that uh, i've had a gif of for so many years of of the scream yeah the scream and the point the scream at the at, that's the very last scene of the movie and uh. man is it creepy so it's a really good things i like about it is it does a really good job of updating the Cold War paranoia, the the Russian paranoia yep. that they had in the fifties, yeah. which was all about we're being infiltrated, we're going to be destroyed, we're, we're being infiltrated it, by people who look like us. A, a cameo from the original movie. Um, I'm sure it does. Yeah, but yeah, and it's just it's beautifully acted. I mean, it's beautifully Sutherland. acted. Um, Don Sutherland is a college professor in it, and one of his best friends is an author. I'm not sure. If, his best friend but Leonard Nimoy is in it as yeah. an author and they have a long they have a long conversation that I really like in a bookstore um, but it's just a great update it's a really interesting way of taking a message movie and making it into a movie with a different message mm-hmm. but still having it have the same basic plot elements yeah. the same flow um, flows through both and, of them and I watched both of them very close together mm-hmm. And um, I think that's such an interesting thing to do is something that is like either a remake or uh, say a, a, a long sought sequel or something right. where you can watch them together and they tell the story differently enough where you can appreciate both of them. Right. And I'm going to give a spoiler warning here. Spoiler warning. Um, the first one ends with a guy running down the highway screaming, they're here, they're here, they're going to get us. And the 1970s one ends with your protagonist with you having the sudden horrible realization that they've got him. Yeah. That he's dead now and he's this other thing. Yeah. And they're both super powerful endings for their time, but they're both very different messages. 
So that's why I like that movie. That's why I added it to the list. <laughs> it's science fiction because they're aliens. Um, I'm going to say a really recent movie that I've, I've spoken about, you know, fairly recently because it just came out this year is Annihilation from Alex Garland. Um, and it is, it is a story of aliens, but it's here on earth. Um, and, uh, basically we have a meteor strike and, um, I've, I've, I use this phrase every once in a while because there was a movie, there was a TV show that came out, God, probably 11, 12 years ago now, called Threshold. Right, and I, I remember that. fucking loved, I loved that it had Brent Spiner, had Peter Dinklage, um, it had, it had all of these great character actors, um, and so jumping to Threshold really briefly, um, and basically it had this woman, and I, God, I always forget her name, she was in troop beverly hills and she was in sin city and stuff she was the lesbian lawyer i have I no idea always forget her name um carla carla yeah, yeah yeah anyway um she is basically a crisis planner and she sets up like if this horrible thing happens who are the experts that you need what are the steps that you will take you know, who is her A-list, who is her B-list of people that you will need. And so basically she writes a uh, scenario of if uh, aliens come. And mm-hmm. so basically there's this signal that opens up over the ship. And over the course of the series, it's only one season and it got right. canceled. They start terraforming people. Because rather than the aliens coming to Earth, they basically start turning us into them. Oh, interesting. So... So anytime I see a movie, and that's kind of what happens with Annihilation, is it starts corrupting and taking over this portion mm-hmm. of the world uh, where this meteor hit, and it starts changing it. And basically, um, they, they call it like the shimmer, um, and anything that they've sent, any, any military that they've sent into it, and they've sent multiple groupings of, of men, um... They've never come back, and uh, in Annihilation, they've never come back. And uh, this one woman's husband, who's played by Oscar Isaac, it's Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac, he comes back, but he's different and starts immediately collapsing. And while they're running him to the hospital, like these military vehicles come up and they take them both in. Right. And so they have this group that's studying the Shimmer area, and there's a group of women. Uh, scientists and, and military and mm-hmm. that are all going to go in and explore and see what happened, even though they know like the only person to have come back is her husband. And, and, he's did, and, and he did dying. not come back right. He did not come back right. But it's expanding. So something has to be done mm-hmm. because it, it has gone to where it is just exponentially getting right. larger just, and larger yeah. and larger. And um, it's just a wonderful tale of science going wrong and adapting and but who's to say what's wrong but it's it's almost painful in its way that it doesn't go the way that you think it should or that Mm -hmm. things don't look the way they're they're supposed to right um and it's changing things and evolving things and and things that you saw on one person are now on another a tattoo that you saw on one person a little bit later in the movie is on someone someone else else. oh fascinating and um and I loved that at the end of the movie, 
there were so many different interpretations that you could have of see what I like that a lot because yeah. like there's a movie which is technically not a horror movie mm-hmm. called Brimstone and Treacle oh Brimstone and Treacle and at the end of the movie he does something the character played by Sting does something horrible yeah but the results of that save someone's life and it's one of those movies where is he demonic or is he angelic? And you can take either, either viewpoint. Way. Yeah. Now I know that he's demonic because <laughs> I because I saw an interview with the playwright. Well, there you go. But I like it better when it's completely up in the air and you have to make your decision. Yeah. Because I love I love the additional story you can write in your head mm-hmm. of of fleshing everything out of however yeah. you feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, Brimstone and Treacle is one of those movies I call a cuckoo's egg movie. Like, isn't there the one where the guy comes to the house and he's like, I was friends with your son in yeah, the military. The guest. The I guest. love that movie. Brimstone and Treacle's like that. It's yeah. this guy, he's like, your daughter was in a horrible accident. I don't think she had the chance to tell you we were engaged. engaged. And oh, the daughter's in yeah. a coma. I've read so much about it, but I've never yeah, seen it. Yeah, and the daughter's in a coma, so she can't say anything. Yeah. And so this guy is like, oh, I, you need help taking care of her. Let me help you take care of her. Yeah. And he, he's... And Sting's really young in this He's movie. really young Sting, and he's so charming and yet so menacing yeah, I, it's it's an amazing movie. You should see it. I'm oh, definitely going to. <laughs> it's, it's it's been on my list ever since. Um, I had that uh, classic cult movies book uh-huh. of going through that book and going, you know, what are all these movies that I need to see? Yep. And it, you know, that's fantastic. Do you um, have any other that I are have, on your primary? I list? have my my fifth movie. All right. And that is a 1975 TV movie starring James Earl Jones and Estelle Parsons. It's called The UFO Incident, and as far as I know, it has never been released on any format. But I, I have a bootleg of it. Oh, you have a bootleg. Okay. I, I, I I work at a, I work at a movie archive at a film archive. We have a copy of it. I think it might be a bootleg. So it was originally made for television? You said it made, it made for, for television? Made for TV, 1975. It's the story of Betty and Barney Hill, who you may not know about, but anybody who knows about UFO abductions, they were the first, or at least the first to speak out about it. Got it. it. Okay. Now, whether or not you believe the story is, their story is true, it is a terrifying story. Um, they're an interracial couple. Yeah. Which, in 1975, was... Was it still legal? Barely legal. They were an interracial couple. He was a college professor. Um, They were driving one night on a dark road, and then they noticed that, like... And then they looked at their clocks, and hours had... And they had all this lost time. Oh. See, I have a soft spot. I don't like the So Bad It's Good movies. Yeah. But I have a soft spot for all the made-for-television horror that they used to do. Right. And this technically isn't a horror movie because it's based on the kind truth. But it's supposed to, it's just about them going to court and trying to prove their case. And oh. It's well, came out around this. It's around the Chariots of the Gods times. Okay. So it doesn't really judge whether it's true or not in the movie. But she goes into hypnosis, like you do. 
and starts remembering all these things that happened to her. And if you know anything, or I'm sure everybody knows what happens to you when you're abducted by UFOs. They, they give you... Your, they go right up your butt. They give you the pelvic exam. Oh, yeah. They steal your eggs if you're a woman. Okay. And your sperm if you're a man. They experiment. We don't know why. Uh, they do the anal probing. They do medical experiments and take blood from you. And the whole time you are paralyzed and awake and screaming because you are just terrified while all this is happening to you and you're paralyzed. Now, in 1975, I was probably 11 years old. I was probably maybe older than that, maybe 13, 14. And this was a made-for-TV movie, and it scared the crap out of me because it happened on this dark country road. My sister, we used to go visit her, and we'd drive home along these dark dirt roads (laughs) at night. And it's one of... It kind of fades off toward the end when scientists get involved and they're trying to prove that the images that she's dreaming of are actually star maps and whatever. But the initial part of the story... And possibly because James L. Jones is James, James L. Jones, Earl, James Earl Jones, James L. Jones works down at the gas station. <laughs> but yeah, uh, James Earl Jones is just such a powerful screen presence yeah. in it that you want to believe that he has had the crap scared out of him, yeah. and the fact that he's a huge black man yeah. makes it even scarier. Yeah. When he says, and I was helpless, and I couldn't stop them from doing this, and I could see my wife being yeah. tortured. It's it's an amazing movie. Yeah. Oh, it sounds fantastic. But at the same time, it's probably not a true story. <laughs> they might have, you know, kind of fluffed over things a little bit. But it is the prototype for all of the alien abductions yeah. and abduction experiences you hear from after that. Yeah. It's from Betty and Barney Hill's story. They were the first ones to come up with that, and everyone else has just ran, been they just ran it. with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it so that of, fascinates me because I love UFOs. See, I like the paranormal. I like your, your Bigfoots. See, and, and kind of in that same vein, but different, is I love the, the sleep paralysis stories where you. Yeah. Where, where you, you've woken up enough. No, there's an old hag frozen the old hag. Um, I've had a couple of those dreams, and it's it's terrible because you you just I had can't a crazy move. one once. Yes. So one time I was sleeping at my boyfriend's house, not Monty. This was Steve. Pre, this is pre Monty. This was pre Monty. Several years pre Monty, and <laughs> I was having what I thought was sleep paralysis. And what had happened was I dreamed that there was this glow in the dark thing about the size of a basketball sitting on my chest and pressing and squeezing my breath out. The reason I came out of it was because my boyfriend woke me up because he's like, I don't know what I just saw, but there was like something glowing at your chest. So maybe he was having similar sleep paralysis. I don't know that house. We had some poltergeist stuff go down at that house, but that's my sleep paralysis story. And I've had sleep paralysis a couple times, but I've never had anything that dramatic. Mine, Usually I'm just frozen and then I'm like, okay, sleep paralysis. And I can snap out of it. Yeah. Mine was, um, in my dream, I was laying in bed with uh, the boyfriend I moved out here from with Minnesota, from Minnesota with. And um, I like, I could turn my head at the beginning of the dream a little bit and I saw my cat 
holding aloft his his front paw and it had been like chewed off and he but he wasn't walking he was just gliding between us and I kept I kept trying to see and I kept trying to get my boyfriend's attention because uh-huh. I was like what has happened yeah something's happened and, to the cat we have to know and he kept like I kept trying to scream in my dream and he said he heard me and I was just going oh. yeah because he kept turning towards me in the dream and every single time he turned towards me it'd be like one of those photoshop things where they stretch out people's faces except oh, yeah, every yeah, I time know what you he mean. turned to me oh, poor his kitty. face was utter the boyfriend's face was utterly misshapen oh poor boyfriend and then it would come at me and then i'd try and scream and then his back would be to me again and it would come at me again and be different and it was just over and over and i was laying and i couldn't move Oh, and it was, that's so scary. I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, sleep really paralysis. Yeah, I, I've had sleep paralysis three or four times. And it is always terrifying. Yeah, I've never Even had to, like, get pressure to the point, or, like, where it's holding you down. It's well, just, I have asthma, so yeah. <laughs> I think that that contributes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it was pretty weird. Oof, fucking sleep paralysis. Sleep they, paralysis the, will the, scare you. The nightmare, I think it's called Nightmare. Um, is that documentary? documentary on yeah. people who have a sleep paralysis. Um, and and then also, the, since then, they've come out with two movies, I think, that have tried to <laughs> make make horror movies from the experience. Uh-huh. And it was, there was one that I really liked the actress, but it was really just not awesome. Yeah. And I, I can't remember what that one was called, but they've, they've tried to make horror from it and it just wasn't good enough. Um, now, I don't have, I had, those were my four primary. And then my other, I have another four that are kind of like one-off movies that okay. really kind of fit the genre. And I think people don't talk about them enough. Well, I mean, everybody talks about The Fly. The Fly really could have been on my list, but everybody's going to talk about that as a really good science fiction horror movie. Right. The Fly was on my list also. Yeah. You know, it amazes me when I look at that, because I looked it up on the IMDb, and Chris Wallace did the makeup, and he had, like, the makeup team on that movie was, like, five people. It's a lot going on in that movie. There is a lot of makeup going on in that movie. And maybe I was misreading the IMDb, but there was, like, five people. Yeah. Besides the crew for the that did the actual fly, which was, like, four people. Yeah. It's Chris Wallace and three assistants, I, I think. am not... I am not a big fan of Cronenberg's work. Um, and... There is, there is a masculinity to, and a sterileness to his storytelling that I don't enjoy spending time with. And one of the reasons why I really like The Fly is, is it starts out as such a human story. Uh-huh. And you really feel his loss of his humanity. And the right. other things that I've seen of his, it's just a viewpoint that you mean, just doesn't his work. horror stuff. Yeah, his horror stuff. Because, like, some of his movies are really, really good, but not horror movies. Yeah. You know, uh, was it Russian Promises? Did he do that? I don't know. I don't know. Some of his stuff that's, he's been not doing horror over the last few years. Yeah. Um, I know he I, did that L.A. one. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of it. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, he hasn't been the doing... The Fly I love. But, I, well, I know why you love The Fly. Shush. <laughs> the best part, we were watching The Fly in the store, and a customer came in and looked up at the screen, and he's like, wait a minute, is that guy turning into a fly? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> what movie is this? It's The Fly. Oh, I'm right. <laughs> yes. 
um, a <laughs> a much maligned movie that I absolutely adore um, is Mimic because I fucking love I love those the insect people yeah and and the story is good enough to me I know it isn't well I've the, read the short story yeah it, I know it isn't and the short best. story you don't find out there are insect people until like the very end I think but I just I loved it you know they mess with nature and uh-huh. then time passes and it finds its own way yeah <laughs> to steal a gold a gold bloomism yeah um and but it's you know i found it very scary and anything like that where you start going into tunnels like that yeah um, but i just found the the creature creation just it's it's beautiful and horrifying yeah because um, of that sense because of it's del toro knows how to make a beautiful creature boy he does he's he's so good at that you could be on our podcast, Guillermo. We would. You like could. That. I would. I would hug the hell out of you. You could sit right here on the couch between <laughs> us. You could get hugged by two ladies. I know. I mean, win, win, win. <laughs> um, and my other two um, were uh, the original Godzilla. Mm, um, yeah. And uh, and Cube, I really like. You know, I'm not a big fan of Cube for the plot. I'm a big fan of Cube for the set. I'm like, you guys built one room and you just lit it differently, differently. every time. I that know. is amazing I, and brilliant. I gotta say, though, I am really afraid to rewatch Cube because um, it did a lot with very little. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm very scared that I won't enjoy it as much as I did that first yeah. one. But even if I don't really love it on a rewatching, the, I know I, I really, really enjoyed my first watching of that yeah, movie. Yeah, the effects are kind of crappy looking the computer cg stuff yeah. but you know what it's it's a good horror movie that did a lot on a low budget yeah my list of extra movies includes slither james gunn's directorial so first so directorial I movie i fucking love slither um and it's another meteor crash isn't it meteor crashes Aliens Get Out, and it has a lot of homage to 80s horror films. Um, the one it I'm thinking of... almost a little 50s in there, too. Right. Well, the 80s horror film I'm thinking of specifically is that remake of The Blob. Oh, I love The Blob remake. Right. The Blob remake is great. And, the, and that's what Slither reminds me wonderful. of. Yeah. And the performances in Slither are great because... Well, you got Nathan Fillion, and he's Nathan Fillioning. All over. All over the place. Michael, um, And Michael Rooker is Michael Rookering as hard as he can. And it's so weird so to wonderful. see those two characters in the same film. I know. Which I love. It's got a great I sense love, of humor. I love the blown up woman. The, the, the huge inflated woman at the very end of and it. she's like, I don't feel, feel good. And then she explodes and she's just full of horrible worms that, yes. that are what the infection is. Bummer. That's a really great horror science fiction movie and of course uh 10 cloverfield lane yeah which we talked about in the past which we both really like um for me i don't generally go to a lot of hard science fiction movies it's just not my thing like even when i read science fiction i tend to read ray bradbury and harlan ellison as opposed to the science guys the science guys (laughs) You know who you know who I mean. <laughs> but 
yeah, no, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you uh, suggested this. It's a fun topic, yeah. and uh, it's about time I start suggesting some topics because <laughs> I've been kind of failing on that end, and it's I'm trying to turn. do better. It's your turn. Okay, well, I think we might be done here. I think we are. You guys have a great two weeks, and we'll see you then. Thanks. <laughs>